Charlie's good tonight, isn't So this morning, it's now August 26th at 6.21 a.m. I've been trying to make a podcast since I heard the news about the beloved drummer of the Rolling Stones, Charlie Watts, and his passing. Um, That was really, it is really hard for me to digest. I love Charlie. So today is the 26th. I found out about it on the 24th. And the weird thing is that on Monday, the 23rd, I was in Target with Desmond and talking on the phone to my girlfriend, Kat, who is now my current Dr. Dot Dispatcher. She's a fellow Rolling Stones fan. And I was uh, talking to her, telling her, hey, I'm here in Target and there's this amazing Rolling Stone sweatshirt. I bet, I bet you'd love it. She goes, well, do they have my size? And they didn't. So anyways, we started talking about the Stones. And I said, you know, um, I haven't heard much from the Charlie camp. I mean... Is he okay after that recent operation? I said, I, can, I won't be able to handle it if anything happens to Charlie. I said, I'm going to freak out. I said that to her Monday, the 23rd. And then, yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I know, me too. And I'm, I have tickets to go see them in Tampa. And obviously she knew that Charlie had been replaced for the tour because of his health issue that he just recovered from a operation. And, um, yeah, sorry, you'll hear water in the background and stuff because I'm, I can never just sit still and talk. I have to do housework. It never ends. So anyhow, um, it was unbelievable when I woke up the next day, Kat texted me and said, Charlie died. And I just bawled my eyes out for like two hours in bed. Um, very hard for me to... I mean, I, I don't want to start crying again. I'm, I'm exhausted from crying. Um, he was one of a kind. I, I just wanted to, before I forget, you know, I wanted to tell you some funny things that I loved about Charlie, some, some cute and witty things that, you know, I did write about in my Stones chapter, but that has not been published yet because, as you may have gathered from listening to my other podcast. I'm so effing busy raising my son alone and trying to pay all these bills and, you know, surviving through the pandemic alone with a child without any help. Um, Yeah, it's really hard. 
So I don't have time to sit down and write a book. So anyways, I wanted to get some things out here in this podcast about Charlie. Let it be known how great Charlie was. Snazzy dresser. Yeah, snazzy. And he had Louis Vuitton luggage. He really did take pride in his luggage. That's my AC in the background. Oh, geez. All this noise you have to put up with to listen to me talk. And, you know, I always saw Charlie on tour, apart from the one time, which was the actual first time that I got to massage Charlie, was 1994 in Toronto, Canada. I was living in Berlin at the time. However, I would fly to America, fly home to America once a year, maybe twice to see relatives because I had relatives in Georgia and relatives in Connecticut. And at the time, my mom was still alive and she lived in New Hampshire. And I also visited Boston. There's a woman who I considered to be a second mom named Betsy. Anyways, I went to New Hampshire and see my mom. And she agreed to watch Jasmine. So Jasmine was 89. So Jasmine was five years old. I'm like, can you watch Jasmine? Because I was just invited to be flown to Toronto to massage the Rolling Stones. Now, Alan Dunn was the Rolling Stones logistics manager. And he was also Mick's personal assistant for like 40 years. Alan is very old. I'm pretty sure he's as old, if not older, than Mick. So I'm sure he's retired now. But anyways, Alan flew me from Boston up to Toronto. And each Rolling Stone had rented a different house because that's where they were rehearsing their upcoming tour. And a very wealthy Canadian businessman named Michael Cole, I think he's Canadian, lived up there and so anyways they had a hub in toronto okay so alan put me up in a hotel and each day i would go massage a different rolling stone the first one i massaged was charlie but he was not staying in a house and i'm like i don't understand why is everyone else renting a house for six months by the way they were there for six months rehearsing for the tour but Charlie insisted on just staying in a hotel room. He doesn't like all the fuss, all the hoopla. He's plain and hassle-free. And I gathered that about him the first time I met him, when I massaged him that day. It was a very, very hot hotel room. I guess the AC wasn't working, whatever. But I massaged him for two hours, and um, I was sweating like crazy. And he's like, oh, you're right you know he was so kind and offered me a little towel to wipe my forehead and stuff and um so I didn't I don't talk during massage but if they want to speak then I answer back you know got to know him a little bit he's very kind very polite and um he loved the massage after the massage he said so how much do I owe you for the massage dot and I said are you crazy? You're a Rolling Stone. You know, it's my honor. It's it's my 
privilege to massage you. You're a Rolling Stone. You know how good that's going to look on my resume someday? You know, I said, no, I can't take money from you. And he said, Dot, my dear, no one's going to take you seriously unless you take money for your massage. That was a bloody good massage. Now, how much do I owe you? And I said, I, I don't even know because I've never charged... I've never charged money for a massage. He goes, you what? So I explained to him that my main goal in life, I was going to be a photographer, a writer. You know, I studied a little bit of photography at UNH until the Frank Zappa tour started. And then I stopped that. But, um, you know, um, anyways, not chronologically correct there because I was at, yeah, well, actually it was. In 88, I was at UNH and took a photography course. But anyways, massage has always been just a hobby up until that point. I used it to, oh, I massaged my mom when I was little, walked on my mom and dad's back, bit my mom's back, and used it in high school as a way to get friendly with a boy if I wanted to or what have you. Massage friends, I bartered for this and that. It was just, it was just a hobby I loved. It was a hobby that I loved. I loved to make people feel good. So I've been doing it my whole life since five years old. I never thought it would be um, a career though. Charlie is the one that laid it down and said, you, you've, you really have got to charge money or no one's going to take you seriously. And I thought... Charging money would make me mean. I would be mean to charge money. I would be greedy, you know, like how dare I? Because it's something I like to do so much, you know. And so he opened my eyes in that way. And um, he insisted, you know, that I come on tour with them. I mean, he was very friendly and gentle about it. He wasn't like, hey, you better come on tour. No, no, he was... I'm going to make sure Alan um, can arrange that, yeah? And, and keep in mind, I lived in Germany at the time. So I did European tours with the Stones. I didn't go on the worldwide tour because I still had a, a young daughter, you know? So I would just do like a month or two at a time and come back to Berlin in between. And thank God Jasmine had a great dad who was very dependable. I mean, she still does have a great dad, by the way. Benjamin, very trustworthy and dependable. And um, he understood how important it was for me. So that's how that happened. And um, I, yeah, I, I also got to massage Ronnie and Keith. And um, well, I massaged Mick backstage, but not in Toronto. Anyhow, um, yeah, this podcast is mainly about Charlie. And his very funny ways. So I ended up going on tour with them. And the thing about Charlie, <laughs> he, wanted his, he wanted his massage every day at 8 a.m. And, you know, if you have been paying attention to me and my podcast, you definitely have to gather the fact that I'm not a morning person. I've always been up all night and I sleep in the day. I'm a nocturnal person, you know, and that fit in well with the whole rock and roll thing, didn't it? Like going to concerts, that's late at night. 
most rockers that I know are also night people. So it was really hard to, you know, be at Charlie Watts, his hotel room at 8 a.m. every day on tour. Because Ronnie would like to have his massage at 2 a.m. So I was getting like four or five hours of sleep if I was lucky. And I, I never stopped massaging, really. So I, it was just one person after the other. Also, all the, the backup dancers and the backup singers and Chuck Lavelle and Michael Cole and his wife and just everybody on the tour, tour managers and caterers, just I never stopped, you know. And it was amazing that I was getting paid to do my massage work. I mean, Alan Dunn, he was like, oh, my God, how much are you charging? Like, so I had Charlie on one hand telling me that I need to charge money for my massage. And then I had Alan bitching at me that some people thought my massage was too expensive. I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. I call the hotel and ask how much do they charge in their hotel for a one-hour massage. That's how, I didn't even know how much massage cost at all back then, right? So in order for me to gauge the correct price, I would call down the front desk and ask the hotel, what do you charge per hour? And they told me. And I would undercut the hotel and charge like 100 marks or whatever it was at the time. I don't think it was euros yet. Um, an hour. And, and Alan was like, that's pretty expensive. And I'm like, well... You know, I can't win, can I? Because, like, I have one person telling me I need to charge money and charge more or whatever, and the other one telling me it's too much. So, anyhow, um, it worked itself out, you know. Um, when I was working backstage, people were just paying me, like, one mark a minute or whatever, one pound a minute, depending on where we were. But if it was a hotel massage, then it was a 100 or more. It depends on how late it was. I wasn't getting rich, but you know, it was, it was so fun. And being in Charlie's hotel room, massaging him every day, the fun, I never knew what he was going to say when, when he would open the door, I'd ring his doorbell. He'd come, his hair would be messy. He'd have a house coat on. He'd say, what time is it? Doc? Like it's eight o'clock, Charlie. It's bloody early. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you would say that almost every time. It's bloody early, as, as if I'm the one wanting him to get up early. <laughs> I'm just like, so I'm like, one time I was like, Charlie, why do you want to get a massage so early? I don't understand the hurry. Like, what's the rush? Why? Why 8 a.m.? He's like, well, I've got to sketch me bed. I'm like, huh? You have to sketch your bed? Yeah, I draw my bed every day. I'm like, I, and he showed me an easel. He had a big, you know, art easel and charcoals and pencils and stuff. And he would, he explained to me that every single day he would sketch his unmade bed when he would wake up. He'd sit there and sketch it each time. He said the only time that he didn't get to sketch his bed was when he was in Japan, I think it was Japan, they accidentally, they as in the tour staff, accidentally came to Charlie's hotel room and packed his easel without his permission. And they 
they took it. So he was, he went like a whole month without his easel or a couple weeks. No, it wasn't a month. It was like a couple weeks. Anyways, um, and I said, you know, you should have an exhibition someday with all of your drawings. He goes, oh, who, who would want to see that? You know, I'm like, oh, the Rolling Stones fans would want to see it. Of course. He goes, no, no. No one would want it. It's so boring. And he goes, but I like it. And I'm like, no, no. I can envision you having a exhibition with all of your, you know, favorite sketches on the wall. And it could be called Charlie Watts Slept Here. And he thought that was so funny. He was laughing. Then there was one other time in, I think, 98. Something, this was, this is something that sticks out in my memory. I'm very overtired right now. Because I haven't slept the last two days. I've been crying over Charlie's death. And I found a baby squirrel. So excuse me if I'm slurring words. I'm just wicked tired. I'm still up. I'm not up early at 6.30 a.m. I'm up. I'm still up. So I'm wicked tired. I just want to get these thoughts out of my head. Like I said before. I forget. And I came into his hotel room. Cannot remember where it was. Was it Romania? Prague? There was a, a, a concert shirt laying over one of the chairs, over the back of the chairs. And he climbed onto the massage table and covered himself up. I'm like, he goes, do you see that shirt? And I go, yeah, it looks awesome. It was a black shirt. I think, I, I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere. Oh, no, no. I know what happened to it. I, someone who stayed over my house just a few years ago borrowed it as a sleeping, sleeping shirt and never gave it back to me. I know who has it. Anyways, it's a black concert shirt. And it has ACDC and the Rolling Stones on it because apparently they toured one whole tour together or something. It might have been a leg of the tour. My cat is being really loud right now. Can you please be quiet? I'm trying to do a podcast. And uh, yeah, so it was the Rolling Stones and ACDC tour shirt. And he goes, if you want it, you can have it. I go, really? Oh my God, that's so nice. He gave me a concert shirt. It was so nice. Then there was another time I walked into his room. And I took off my shoes like I did every time. It's rude to walk around someone's hotel room with shoes on because you're bringing outside germs into their, you know, space. So I'd take my shoes off, and he was on the phone at this time, right towards the front of the room where the door was. He was on the phone, and um, I'm, I'm patiently waiting for him to get off the phone. And he goes, he was looking at my feet while he was on the phone. I noticed that. He gets off the phone, he goes, good morning, Doc. He goes, is, is that, you've got a hole in your sock. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I do. He goes, you better have that mended. It's going to get bigger. You know, he, so he was very concerned about the hole in my sock, which I thought was very cute. Then that was another time. Um, one of the first times I massaged him on the tour, actually. Um, he was looking through the face cradle, the part of the massage table that you put your face in when you're face down. And he goes, is, is that a tattoo on your ankle? And I'm like, yes, yes, it's a butterfly. And he goes, I bloody hate tattoos. I'm like, oh. <laughs> He's, my daughter has one as well. And I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah, I bloody hate tattoos. I'm like, oh, well, here we go. And we also spoke a lot about Frank Zappa. He, he liked Frank. He liked the jazz part, he said. He liked the jazz aspect of Zappa. 
And we also bonded over Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald. But yeah, we often played jazz. Charlie Parker, I don't think. He played jazz music when I massaged him. One time I was massaging him, I noticed that he had had surgery around his throat, I think it was, or around his neck. Um, I think he had some cancer removed, and I'm wondering if that's what came back, you know. I really haven't read all the press about it and, you know, scouring the media for details. I haven't because it's it, he's gone. It doesn't matter. And he did live to a nice ripe age, didn't he? Eighty years old. I massaged his wife Shirley too. What a what a lovely lady. Oh, Charlie would. He was one of those men that never complained about his wife. He never once complained about his wife. He doted on that woman so much. But he would say, "We have forty-seven greyhound dogs and one cat." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I live in Devon." And we live not far away from a greyhound track. And um, he's, apparently he said that they um, not throw away dogs, but they discard dogs that they don't need anymore. I guess there's like a shelter for greyhound dogs that aren't needed anymore. And Shirley was always busy adopting those. And then she moved on to horses, Arabian horses. But he supported all of her hobbies and interests wholeheartedly. And quite often I'd say, oh, so what are you doing on your day off? You know, because I would still massage him on tour even on his day off. He never slept in late. I was there every day at eight. He's like, oh, I'm going to go out, have a walk around, and I'm going to get a, a watch for Shirley. Or he would always was always buying her presents, you know. Like in Germany, he would always ask me, like, oh, do you know where there's a shop to buy such and such or whatever? And because he didn't speak German, I would help help him find a shop or whatever. And um, I always thought it was interesting that he didn't have a personal assistant. He's like, oh, that's much too complicated. And I t it would make me nervous. I don't, I don't need that. Too much hoopla. He didn't have a personal assistant. He didn't have a bodyguard. He didn't wear... M Ow! My cat careful he um <laughs> he was not vain he wasn't stupid that's for damn sure he's very smart and he didn't speak that often but when he did it was um very funny he had great sense of humor um yeah and his uh his room had to be just so you know everything very 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 organized all of his clothing and he did bring a lot of jazz CDs with him. Mm -hmm. And they were all impeccably aligned. They weren't thrown into a suitcase. He was extremely organized. <sighs> what a man, you know, what a wonderful person. And it saddens me to know that all of the stones are old and, you know, they're going to pass. I mean, we're all going to pass, but it's like, when all of these rock legends die, the Moody Blues, Pink Floyd, the Stones, the rest of the Beatles, you know, th these are artists that cannot be replaced. There's never going to be another Rolling Stones or Beatles or Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or Frank Zappa. 
you know the music nowadays is just it's shit i don't even ugh i can't even call it music it's just auto tune rapping over samples and every, it's just it's just shit you know and i'm i'm so happy that i and you and we whoever's alive right now got to be alive the same time that like bowie was alive and the stones and the beatles because that's such a fleeting slice of time isn't it i mean the world's been around for millions of years and it's going to continue to be around and we were lucky to live during this tiny slice of time that had such great music you know i mean i wasn't alive when stravinsky was alive or beethoven but i i'm lucky enough to be able to listen to it when i want but wow you know that's why i still listen to this classic rock and motown and funk and blues and stuff i still promote it heavily on social media because i want to turn on people who don't know about it i want to turn them on to this great music we have to keep passing it down from generation to generation don't we you know um because this is music that is so unique and special and the lyrics are so meaningful to me especially i love it um so i didn't just i mean lose losing charlie i mean i my heart goes out to his wife shirley and daughter and his granddaughter um they must be devastated I have a big spot in my heart for Charlie, who turned my hobby into a career. He mentored me, and um, I don't know, for me, he was kind of like a dad figure. You know, I always had this, he was like a dad, another dad. I loved him. What a nice man. Very polite. I've never heard him swear. Never heard him swear. I'd be surprised if there was some video footage of Charlie Watts swearing, honestly. You'll never see a picture of him with a beer or swearing. I mean, I have seen a video of him or two with him smoking long when he was, you know, the 60s, right? But very refined. And that one time my German friend, Joachim, I call him Akim, the big biff. He's, this is before, like, smartphones, 98. He's like... Can you ask Charlie why why doesn't he play jazz? Like, why didn't he just have a jazz trio and tour with jazz musicians? Why is it always rock and roll when we all know he loves jazz? And he said, tell your friend that jazz does not pay the bills. That's why. And I was like, oh, what a great answer. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> and then I just read on Facebook yesterday during my... Um, tribute to Charlie Watts, somebody said, yeah, you can play 10 notes to 10,000 people or you can play 10,000 notes to 10 people. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, oh, God. I'm I'm exhausted from crying. I know everybody has experienced loss, so you know that feeling. And... I'm st I'm sure I'm still going to cry a little bit about Charlie. But eventually that's going to turn to just remembering the good things and, and everything. But it's just so... The world lost a really, really good person. He was a good, good guy, you know? Loyal to the same woman for what, like 50 years? 
they don't make men like that anymore. I mean, he's just never heard anyone ever talk bad about Charlie Watts. You got to admit that. There's never been anyone writing something like, oh, yeah, Charlie Watts is an asshole. <laughs> never. You know? Everyone loved Charlie. If I ever hear anyone making fun of his drumming skills, I'll just be like, yeah, just fuck right off with that, okay? Just stop. <sighs> A friend of mine texted me and said, did you ever hear that story where there was some kind of promo video being done and Mick said, oh yeah, that's my drummer. And Charlie said, excuse me, you're my singer. But I, I don't think I've seen it. I mean, I'm so tired right now at this point. I might have seen it, but forgot. But I like that. That's a cute quote. Hmm. Well, Charlie, may you rest in peace. Lord knows you deserve it. God. The man worked his whole life, didn't he? I mean, it's a lot of work. So anyhow, sorry for the downer kind of podcast, and I will eventually try to get back to doing my book. And I'm sure I'm going to talk about this again in my Rolling Stones section of my book. And too bad if you don't want to hear it twice. But I wanted to... um. Say some nice things about Charlie. Some funny little stories that I remember. You know, funny things. All right, then. Charlie's good tonight, isn't he? I love that quote. Okay. You'll be hearing again from me, hopefully sooner than last time. It's been a long time. Yeah, and remember, you can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you need. Down and down she goes.
appeared on show.